Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we'll be chatting about Reddit and everything going on around there. The user revolt at Reddit, the API changes. We have a special guest to dive into all of that stuff. We'll also be talking about the MacBook Air 15, uh, which uh, Nathan Ingram just reviewed, and Gadget, I reviewed the Mac Studio, so we'll talk about some of those things. We've also got a bunch of other news, and we'll we'll talk about some summer Game Fest stuff, too. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. You can also check out our live stream Thursday mornings, typically around 10.30 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Join us. It's a fun time. You'll see a lot of behind-the-scenes action, and you can ask us questions. Sometimes we'll show off gadgets. Join us. So let's dive into Reddit. And to talk about this and to help break this down is Ryan Broderick. He has covered internet culture for over a decade all over the place, Ryan. And most recently at Garbage Day, the Substack newsletter. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Hello. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about my favorite website, <laughs> Reddit. It's, uh, Your favorite so website's not Engadget. I'm very yeah. upset. Oh, I'm sorry. My favorite platform. Uh, social say, yeah, my platform. I don't. Yes. Are they a social network? Social reader. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. Uh let's let's recap quickly what's happening at Reddit. So uh there has been uh the company announced that they are going to be having a sweeping API change. They're gonna be charging developers for API access. That led to some developers, especially like the popular Apollo app, um, which people prefer to the main Reddit app. They said that those changes would mean it would cost them, what, $20 million a year to run the site uh, or to run the app. So that seems bad. There was widespread user <laughs> revolt. Um, some subreddits, more than half of the subreddits on the site uh, went dark this week. And that also led to a widespread instability on Reddit. Ryan, what what is happening here? Why is Reddit falling apart like this just because of API changes. Well, I mean, what's really funny is Reddit has always had this collective, I don't want to call it revolutionary right. spirit, but it's always been politically active. I mean, as recently as our anti-work, right? But going all the way back to the Arab Spring, Anonymous, it's been a hub for this stuff for a long time. And the heads of Reddit, the company, decided to screw with the one thing that Redditors <laughs> care more about than anything, which is their third-party apps for making their lives on Reddit better. And that is just... I mean, if you if you meet any Redditor in the wild, 
they're going to talk to you about what third-party app they're using that isn't the main Reddit app because they hate the main what's, Reddit what's, app. Ironically, the main Reddit app was a third-party app, right? They bought that. They didn't right. build it, so right. they bought this thing and folded it in, and now everybody hates it because it's part of the right. part of the company. Okay. The other point the other point that's I think really mm-hmm. important to mention here is that and I I wasn't totally aware of this until the protest uh-huh. started, which is that the majority of the large subreddits you see on R all are using third-party software and tools to manage those subreddits because these are volunteers. No one's getting paid to manage, you know, R all. Mm-hmm. I'm at least I'm I'm fairly certain. And they're using software that can moderate the spam, can sort out new users, can onboard people, and all of those tools are about to be bricked by these API changes. What 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 happened? Like why did Reddit do this because it seemed like things were going along fine. The community seemed happy for a while. We also saw similar API changes at Twitter and those seemed more vindictive and almost like a cost-saving measure uh for the Elon Musk era of Twitter. Uh why did Reddit decide to do this? So, okay, there's there's like there's the official mm-hmm. reasons and then there's the reasons people think it is and then there's the super crazy conspiracies. It wouldn't be Reddit I, I think without really super s- crazy conspiracies. I mean, come on. Of course, yeah. of course. I mean, that's half the fun. So I, I think the safest thing to say here is that Reddit is saying that they want quality control, right? They want to make sure that things are safer, they're secure, blah, 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 blah. And then there's the other thing, which is that most mainstream AI tools are using Reddit as their samples for machine learning. So Reddit, like Twitter, like many other large platforms right now, don't want their data hoovered up by anybody. And so part of the way you you can block that a bit is by changing the way your API works. This was a big thing with Twitter. But yeah, the official line from Reddit is, this is about security, this is about safety, this is about making sure things work. Uh, and I have to imagine this is also related to you know their relationship with the Apple App Store, which has been complicated over the years with their hosting of not safe for work content. There's a whole bunch of reasons, but that, that's kind of where we are right now. Is there any, any credit to the idea that also, yeah, not having third-party, like killing third-party apps is better for Reddit, right? Because a lot of those apps do not support ads. They don't have the same sort of like tracking capabilities that the main Reddit stuff does. Does. Funny yeah. that. Isn't, isn't that interesting yeah. that they don't? Yeah. Interesting. Funny how that worked out. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. this is a company that's like preparing to go for IPO after a very, very long time, like very private. So is that also part of it, you think? I, I have to imagine it is. And I think any any platform on the internet right now is very interested in figuring out how they can own and control the entire experience and, and keep people in there. That's, I mean, that's how platforms work and that's how they've evolved. And Reddit has been this really interesting example of a platform that hasn't really done that. It's actually been fairly open to the point where it's kind of replaced Google for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And I think that Reddit is now saying, wait a minute, you know, we want a piece of this. We want to make sure that we're owning and operating all of this stuff. And their users are not happy about that. It is a weird change to do. Uh, Sherlyn, I know you're a, you're a big Redditor. Do you have any thoughts in terms of like what is happening here? Because I'll tell you, I, I gave up on Reddit, like after the Gamergate stuff, and I hear it got better. I'll check it out more. But what do you think, Sherlyn? It did get better. I'm mm-hmm. one of those, like, I'm a big time, by big time, I mean, like, technically small time. I'm a big lurker. I spend a lot of time on Reddit. I feel like a bad Redditor because I don't have my third-party app go-to. I actually use an official app. Um, and, yeah, and I don't mind the ads so much. I think one of the main problems with the Reddit app is they still haven't figured out a way to make spoilers not show up on, you know, the homepage and that sort of thing. Like, l- dumb little issues like that. Um, my main... 
So I've known this was coming for a while, right? Because a lot of um, subreddits are like, oh, announcement, we're going dark June 12th or 14th. I forget. <laughs> well, bye, get, go go see the outside world a little bit. I'm like, all right, <laughs> Touch well, grass, yeah. I guess I got to yeah. reinstall Instagram, you know? And um, the main thing I'm seeing nowadays, because I'm like, oh, it's, it's June 15th or 14th yesterday. I was like, I can go back on Reddit and look at stuff again. Um, main thing I've been seeing is that people are back and they're announcing they're back. A lot of subreddits are like, we were late, but we're back. Our community is like, we're late, but we're back. But some have decided they're going dark indefinitely until they can negotiate some more, um, uh, get some of the things they wanted back. And I'm be I believe a API access is part of this. I, I also know that part of the discussion around this was um, API access was going to be granted to um, people who needed it for accessibility uh, use. So things like screen readers could still navigate uh, Reddit. Um, so it's still very blurry and kind of unclear what's the future going to look like for Reddit. To this point, a lot of the subreddits that I follow, I think are still going to be quite... Um, like it's not clear, right? Like I, if if am I the asshole never comes back, I will be very upset. If I best think the of whole Reddit updates, will be sad. Yeah, I know. If if Boru Boru never comes back, I will be heartbroken. Um, I don't think <laughs> Boru's back yet, which has been very sad for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know, what, Ryan. What is what is the future of Reddit looking like right now? Well, in in a very like monkey's paw kind mm -hmm. of way, I do think this very successfully showed how important reddit is to the ecosystem of like let's call it the american internet i can't speak for other countries but at least here like reddit is kind of the, one of the central backbones of of the web right now it's one of the last sites that is open you can read it you don't need an account to read it it's it's there and i think it disappearing effectively for two days i mean it it made my life harder. It, 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 I realized I, I, I opened it up on Monday night after work because usually like Reddit is where I go to unwind because I don't want to look at Twitter anymore. And it was all gone. And I was like kind of mad. <laughs> and then as I had to Google stuff throughout the week, I was looking for recommendations on, you know, products or gadgets, or I was looking up like some trivia for a TV show and I couldn't get any answers, but I could see the threads, which was the most annoying thing. I knew the information was in there. And so I definitely have a newfound respect for for Reddit's yeah, place in the it's web. One of those things, and I have to imagine other people. You do won't too. really miss it until it's gone, I guess. So like where we're getting a taste of that. Ryan, you've written about uh, Reddit co-founder and CEO Steve Huffman, and how how attentive he is to the needs of the community of the site. Right, this is a community driven site. Clearly, want to keep people happy to keep using it. Right. Yeah, he's notorious. Um, so his username is Spez, and he just. I, I, I've been on Reddit for probably since college, so almost like 15 Same, years. Yeah. And I feel like every single time that guy shows up on an AMA or does anything with the community in the comment section, he gets into fights with people. And obviously, I can relate. I've got a hot temper on the internet too, but I'm not running a massive social network. And I feel like every time he shows up, he just... He makes things worse. And like it's become like a punchline at this point. And to the point where during this week, during the protest, people were screenshotting his stuff and sharing it across all the major subreddits. That you know, it, it was just and then, you know, his his comments leak out about how they're gonna wait for this right, to pass. Right. So obviously all the subreddits are like, well, we're just going in dark indefinitely. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of kind of wild too. Um, I feel like I feel for his media handlers. I feel for his PR people because he's the sort of guy. He's done a couple of interviews recently. He did one at GQ recently where he was just like, "Oh yeah," he talked about why he hated TikTok, but also like 
it got really into like, oh yeah, TikTok is clearly an arm of the Chinese state and it is surveilling us. And there, there is like conspiracy level stuff in his thinking. And also like he is, he's one of those people pretending to be a free speech absolutist on the internet, except not quite, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I always find that weird. Um, like Steve Huffman as a personality, Ryan, like he feels like the trollishness of Elon Musk maybe, but a little, a little more toned down, but he does describe himself as a troll. So that probably doesn't help. Right. Oh, he's, he's notorious. I mean, in, in many ways, he's sort of fitting for Reddit, which is that like, he's going to get in the comments and fight right, with right. everybody. But the difference is that like, those are his users. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's kind of confounding. And, and his, his tenure at Reddit was sort of seen as, okay, Reddit's going to grow up now and it's going to become more professional and they're going to oust a lot of the original people. And, or they're going to leave, let's say that. And uh, yet every time he shows up, it's it's an absolute It's circus. very much uh, uh, the the Dark Knight Rises meme, I guess, like uh, the users. You you thought you, you, you found the trolling. I was born to troll, basically. And it seems like he has created a whole persona and the whole site around that. I didn't want to interrupt, but yeah. I, I don't know if this would interrupt the trajectory of where you were headed. But there's quite a few like great comments on, in our chat. Mark Dell goes, uh, he maybe he'll sell Reddit to Elon, which nightmare of nightmares. Um, Brian, well, Depro9 says hopefully something better replaces both Reddit and Twitter. And Brian Mitchell uh, brought up something that I know you want to talk about, Dev, which is that uh, well, back to using dig and slash dot for me. Um, dig, dig, what, what, what st- of dig? Uh, yeah, very good reminder there because I, I. I am old enough to remember the online feud between Dig and Reddit, and I know people who were very good at gaming both of those sites early on because we all had our little blogs and we all had to get hmm. eyeballs to our blogs. And it's like uh, d- pumping up Reddit posts and dig a Dig post was the best way to do that. Dig fell apart so quickly, like so spectacularly, and it almost I see echoes of that here, Ryan. Like, are, are you noticing that too? Yeah, the the I, I love revisiting when when social networks die. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's really instructive, it's history, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's mass migrations of people, but just online, right? So big things tend to follow. And I think with Dig, it was interesting. So the the TLDR, the really quick thing is that Dig launched a redesign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's literally Dig what it boiled V4, down to. Is they launched yeah, yeah Dig V four, and people didn't like it. And Reddit, I think, was very shrewd. They they created a place for dig users to vent about it. And slowly that conversation just <laughs> took over Reddit and they all left. And that's very and, smart, and actually. It is smart. I mean, like, because Reddit is a really good place for discussion for the most part. I mean, you know, they're not it's not perfect. And so with this thing though, it is with this protest is interesting because you can kind of see that happening within Reddit itself because Redditors want to talk about the protest. Reddit's a really good place for organizing, you know, political activity, good or bad. And one of the problems with boycotting Reddit <laughs> is that the Redditors want to go talk about the boycott on Reddit. Um, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure how closely it will follow something like the dig Reddit wars of of the last decade, but I do think that spirit is still there. For sure. For sure. I'm, I'm still feeling it. And I guess the lesson here, and maybe a bit of like Twitter too, like I, we are seeing echoes of what Elon Musk did to Twitter and what, how pro, like how high level Twitter users are migrating to other places now too. Um, I think we're seeing like, Hey, these sites are powered by community members right and if the community members aren't there and if they decide to go elsewhere you have nothing which seems like 
to me, it seems like Steve Huffman should be doing more to appease the crowd rather than fight them. But I don't know. What's your take on that, Ryan? Like, it, it, these are so... These platforms are nothing without their users, right? You would think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what they would be without their users. I don't know. Like, um, It'd be like, yeah, they're it'd be in like a Tumblr spot. without porn, basically, mm. right? Like, <laughs> True. And without fan um, stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's <laughs> another really good example of this, yes. of this kind of thing happening. Um, I think Tumblr is pretty good now, but based on what I've seen, they, they've, they've almost recovered from where they were in 2018. I, th- I think it's fair to say that they've kind of come through it, but it takes a long time. And I'm not sure if Reddit is prepared for five years of crawling back up if they lose their core audience. At the same time, and, and, and I've written about this a little bit, at the same time, if Reddit is willing to do something this drastic, I don't think they're healthy. Like, I, I, I think there's there's got to be some reason like 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 you know a sick animal <laughs> like that's what they're acting like and i i have to imagine there's something we don't know about the health of the company because why would you do this yeah. like yep. it's it's it seems purely financial right or at least ahead of the ipo because that's that's the story right at reddit was uh what it was bought by Condé nast in the early 2010s and then spun back out and Condé nast owns a control like a big interest in it right but it's private now and nobody has done that like very few companies have done that everybody rushed to ipo basically so i don't know maybe they should have done this earlier i don't know um i guess to wrap up ryan like where do you think things are headed for for um reddit and also like the social internet as a as a whole too because twitter the same thing is happening right i'm spending less time on twitter those conversations have flowed to mastodon and blue sky it does seem like people are just like we are, we are in a weird phase of the internet right now where there is no ground for anybody to really stand on, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think Twitter is probably a good example of where this could go, which is, you know, we have this, I think the MySpace Facebook transition kind of tricked everyone into thinking that it's always going to be one-to-one, but I, I don't think that's true. And I think what will most likely happen is if Reddit goes forward with this and they break a bunch of stuff and they piss a lot of people off, those people will leave. And we've already seen like bad subreddits like the Donald create their own. There's like a there's an out of the box software you can get to make a subreddit that isn't a subreddit. And in the same way that there's not one Twitter replacement, there's a bunch. I could definitely see a bunch of Reddit replacements just popping up. Uh, a lot of subreddits moving wholly over. I've also seen a lot of migration to Discord, although at the same time, I'm hearing a lot of drama about how Discord is evolving because there's a lot of instability at that company and there's a lot of weird products that people don't like being pushed and on And Discord's users. outside of the internet, too. Like, it's a whole separate thing. Right. It's not Google indexable right. and stuff. So, hmm. But I think the main point is that the the ability to copy the core utility of Web 2.0 platforms has gotten so good and that anyone can do it and I think a lot of these companies kind of know that. And so they're trying really hard to like grab everyone one last time. And I don't Let's think it's going to work. Let's milk some money out of you before I retire. Right. Yeah. And I, I just I just have to think that like everyone's going to go off into their own little corners and it's going to be kind of quiet and weird for a while. But also kind of exciting because like that period of time, I, I was a teenager when the when the internet was like that. And it was it was a weird place. It was a way weirder place, but it was kind of exciting. And it doesn't last forever. It doesn't last for, I mean, yeah, this feels like a transition period. Well, you know what? Ryan, I know I know a few things on the internet that won't betray us. That's newsletters as a technology, such as Garbage Day. So everybody go subscribe to Garbage Day. And also podcasts, everybody. We are based on RSS and nothing can control podcasts. So think think about that and the platforms that you love, folks, because when you're trapped to like these companies, 
you, you don't really have control, right? Or at least you don't really have full control of your content. Thank you so much, Ryan. Where can people find you on the internet? And you know what else are you working on these days? You can read my newsletter, garbageday.email is the newsletter, and you can follow my very bad Twitter feed, which is at Broderick, and I'm on Blue Sky, if you have it, uh, just search my name. Um, yeah, oh, I, I guess I, I guess I can say this, because they, they've, they've made unique usernames now. I have a dis, my Discord is Garbage Ryan, so look that up and you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Okay, thanks so much to Ryan for joining us to talk about Reddit. Uh, but we've got actual gadgets to talk about, folks. We've got the MacBook Air 15 reviewed on the site, and I also reviewed the new Mac Studio. I tried to get Nate Ingram on to talk about his experience with the, with the MacBook Air 15, but he, he he's busy actually shooting the video for that thing now, too. So I just want to point you all to it. He gave this thing a score of 96, which is the exact same score I gave the MacBook Air 13. That is surprisingly high for us at the site. Um, I will say on mm-hmm. my end, I, I got to 96 because we've been reviewing the MacBook Air for so long. It's gotten consistently better over time. And then by this one with the redesign last year, it's so thin. It's so fast. It is like the perfect computer. So that's why I think it deserved it. And I think Nate feels the same way. He thinks this is like the best big screen Apple computer for sure. I tend to be... In agreement with both of you here, the only thing I would complain about, and I would have actually docked a point from this had I thought about it more deeply before the review went up, um, is for a larger machine, this thing has the same number of yep. ports. Yep. Um, I wish there were at least one more USB-C or Thunderbolt 4 on the other side, right? Right now, they're all lined up on the left. There's two, um, and the MagSafe charger is also on the left. And if you can just... Move one, of move one of those I, I just want to charge my laptop on another side I totally Jesus asked this I was like you guys have space you have the space give me another port on the other side yeah. something but you know what um, most recently Dell with their XPS 13 remake or really with their last redesign not the plus, the plus. well also, yeah. maybe also the plus but uh, okay they don't have headphone jacks like they got so thin at the keyboard side right right right. at least the headphone Even, jacks yeah here. the base right. xps 13 and the plus do not have headphone jacks anymore at least these do and i i use that quite a bit when i was doing our work over at the wwdc so hey at least we got that i agree though i, w- I would have docked it and also i think it's clear that this machine should have come out last year i think they had planned to do the 13 and 15 at the same time because this is running the same m2 chip that you know that came out mm. last year so mm-hmm. exactly yeah exactly you would think a little bit bigger room b- bigger more power more ports more like you you know maybe not a pro all the way it's pro not, machine yeah, but yeah. S- some additions, I, uh, it does have better speakers so there is that um and mm, uh, mm-hmm. kind of the same yeah. battery life i think the trackpad is also a little bigger than the 13 so there's that but anyway yes. nate really liked yes. it i i've played with it i've touched it. i think it's very good if you really want a 50 inch machine just because apple had nothing it had nothing beyond the macbook air 16 which is or the macbook pro 16 which is so much more expensive and maybe too powerful for a lot of people and so heavy uh for three and a half pounds yeah it's so, so the, thin yeah. For three and a half pounds, like this machine is fantastic. Do you have any other thoughts on the MacBook Air 15, Trillin? KP in our chat says the perfect computer should not have a notch and then trolley face. So yeah, I mean the, the camera does, does have a notch, but I don't, I don't mind because it so the much. title bar kind of lives between it, and you don't, you don't notice. Like you don't notice it. It's fine. But yeah, I mean, th- otherwise, I think this laptop seems really solid. I think it does deserve the the pretty high score but i'm worried like where do we go from here that's you know? uh kind of how it is especially as like we start to score higher and higher it honestly i think the new xps 13 was a bit of a step down for dell so we i didn't have time to fully review that but maybe maybe we'll do that 
I also reviewed the MacBook, uh, the Mac Studio, the new M2 Ultra model. And I, I just want to say my big takeaway here is I think the Mac Pro just doesn't need to exist anymore. I think for most users, like this is essentially the Mac Pro because it has so much uh, I.O., it has so much power. You can configure it with a ton of freaking RAM. Um, yeah, it's sealed. You can't, you can't get inside. Uh, but even with the Mac Pro, by the way, you cannot add extra RAM because the RAM is unified on the system on a chip. So there goes like one of the big reasons you used to get a Mac Pro. Um, you can expand the storage, but it's like by a very limited amount. Um, you, there's just like less of a reason, unless you're one of those crazy folks who need those PCI cards to do like video, uh, pro level video work. You don't need the Mac Pro. So the Mac Studio, especially this higher end one, this is the $4,000 model. It is so ridiculously fast. If you are still running an Intel Mac Pro or an Intel system, but you're a creator who does encoding work, this is the system you want to buy. There's also a $2,000 model, which is not going to be as fast. That has the M2 Max chip, but it also has the same amount of I.O. It has Thunderbolt 4 and stuff for you to use. One annoying thing about this one is that the front ports, it has two convenient USB-C ports on the front, but you have to get the $4,000 M2 Ultra model for those to be Thunderbolt 4 ports. Otherwise, they're standard USB-C, uh, USB-3 ports, which make them much, much slower. I would say they didn't need to make that distinction, you know? It just seems weird. I also wish the headphone jack was right up front rather than around the back. But yeah. Yep. I've talked to a lot of video editors and they're like, man, I, I plug in my headphones so much. I really wish that was more accessible. At the very least, this thing isn't very big. You can just like pull it forward and plug in a thing when you need to. So there is that. Uh, have you seen this thing in action, Trillin? It's a beautiful computer. No, I haven't actually seen it, but I am intrigued. I will say this does, like, I wanted to know, this does complete the transition, right, over to Intel. I mean, over away from Intel, over Pro, to Apple yeah. Silicon. Mm -hmm. And Apple mentioned that, right, at the WWDC um, event. And, I mean, what, they lived up to their promise, right? They said two years, I think? I think they were late by one year. when they think, said two yeah. years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they were a little bit late, a little bit behind, but they did. And I'm not sure if Rosetta is still kind it of is. in between because mm -hmm. that's where my nervousness, right? So it's still there. And when we move over to these very high-powered machines like the Mac Pro, Mac Studio, and we are using Apple Silicon, I am more and more, you know, curious about how the emulator layer is working. And it seems to still be doing fine. And we don't know if... And we'll a lot of people have made their apps native too. And they... I was more interested right. in like the PCI cards, like the PCIe cards, like these are not meant to work with an ARM based chip, but Apple says a lot of their right. partners have done the work to, to get that stuff over and to translate it into M2 architecture. So yeah, the Mac, the Mac pro is there for the folks who need it. Um, that's, n I think no, no, like personal user, no professional who's on their own will ever buy that. But if you work for Disney, Yes, if you're working on the latest Marvel movie or something, yes, you get the fastest freaking thing with mm -hmm. all the ports you need to get the that movie out faster because, you know, $7,000 is nothing to Disney. So that's why that computer exists. Um, we are still waiting for a refresh of the iMac. The iMac is still running an M1 chip. But not, it's Intel, not Intel anymore. anymore. So. I don't think they're selling the Intel one anymore. But yeah, I'm sure we're going to see an iMac uh, redo soon. I don't know if they're ever going to try to do like a better, faster iMac, like the iMac Pro that they tried for a little while and that completely failed. But, you know, that's a thing. My, If you're an Apple user yeah. and you've been sitting tight, I, I think last year it was unclear what the Mac Studio was, right? Is this a weird transition product that is, just exists until the Mac Pro comes out? And now it's like, no, no, this is actually a very clear indication of what Apple's doing. And that is, this is the machine you want for most creative professionals. 
And I also reviewed earlier this year, the Mac mini got a, got an M2 pro chip. So even that has like a faster tier mm-hmm. in it for, I think it's over a thousand dollars. So, and then you have the base level Mac mini, which is like 600, 700 bucks. So Apple is covering like all ends of the market here. And yeah, it's funny to see that story finally done. Let us know what you think, folks. Like, will you be getting a Mac studio? I would love to know who is intrigued by this thing. And if you are, let us know if you're going for the Macs or the Ultra chip. Let's move on to some other news real quick. Uh, there was some big news around Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard. The FTC filed an injunction mm-hmm. to block the deal this week, um, which is in addition to the FTC suing uh, to block that deal, the injunction would just do it immediately. And we just saw some recent news overnight too. Now, Microsoft and Activision are asking the FTC um, or the government to speed up proceedings on that challenge because uh, the deal, let me just see here. They had set a June 22nd or 23rd hearing to block this thing, but July 18th was the uh, agreed termination date for the deal. So if this thing isn't resolved, if they cannot appeal the injunction or if they can't like appease the FTC by July 18th, Microsoft will owe a $3 billion termination fee. And also that the deal is effectively dead. They would have to go back together with these companies and renegotiate it. This is just a huge mess. And it's also really confusing too, because Mm -hmm. the EU, the European Commission approved the deal. Um, Britain's regulatory body denied the deal because of competition reasons. And I think the FTC is kind of doing the same thing. They're worried about too much consolidation in the video game market. Um, And similarly, I think they're also worried about the future of like game streaming, which Microsoft is far ahead of other companies on. Uh, I don't know if they're talking, I don't think they've really talked about Game Pass and the way like Game Pass bumbles things in together, but that's another potential issue there. I don't know if you have any thoughts about this, Sherlyn, but this is a big deal. This is Microsoft's biggest acquisition ever. It's a $69 billion acquisition. Um, it seems like a bad thing if this doesn't go through for them, but I personally, yeah, I personally don't think it should. I mean, I, I feel bad for Microsoft, right? It's been trying to buy like TikTok. It's been trying to I don't feel bad. It's been trying yeah. to buy a lot of shit and then not, I know. I, I, I don't really feel bad like on, on a human level, I guess on a troll level, I'm like, haha, feel bad for you, haha, you know? Um, I, I far be it for me to call something competitive or anti-competitive. I just I couldn't tell you the gaming world. It feels like there is enough com- competition for Microsoft from Sony and from other studios. It depends too if you're talking about like game making or hardware or like platform. You know, there's just so many ways to compete that it feels like I I don't know enough of the ins and outs to tell you if this is a wise decision on the parts of all the regulatory mm-hmm. bodies, but I will watch. We'll keep an interest. eye on it. Yeah, this this story is not done yet. Um the reason I'm saying mm-hmm. is because I'm I'm just kind of against consolidation so much at this point too. We were seeing what was the the big studio oh embracer group. The one we've been talking about that's been swallowing up so many studios and so many things. Um, they are laying off a big chunk of their workers because they were depending on this like $2 billion deal that fell apart at the very last minute. And that company is now in severe trouble because it was such a big thing. And when you consolidate, you're like, it's like a Katamari ball, right? You're building more and more chunks. You're taking over the world. You're plowing through the industry. Um, But if something breaks, that ball, it is a big mess. And it affects a lot of lives and it could hurt the industry too when things like that fail. So 
that's my feelings. But you know what, folks? Podcastandgadget.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, we've got some needs from Summer Game Fest as well. I was not there, but we have a bunch of folks there, uh, including Matt Smith, Jessica Conda, and Aaron Suporis. Just want to highlight a couple things I noticed here. Uh, Jess took a look at Alan Wake 2 which is probably the game I am looking forward to the most coming out of this. First of all, my God, we, we have a sequel to Alan Wake. I was super excited about that. I got so buzzed when we got like Alan Wake stuff within Control and Remedy was basically building this unified universe uh, for all their weird games. It just didn't get to play it. Um, it was a hands-off demo for her, so she watched somebody else play it. But it is centered around an FBI agent, a black FBI agent named Saga. And she, you're going to be playing alongside her and Alan Wake too. And Alan Wake was the mystery author who is trapped in this uh, this weird mystery universe. Um, very Twin Peaksy in the first game. It seems like he is still there. But Saga is also trying to solve the mystery from the FBI side. The whole thing is very Twin Peaks. Um, I don't know. You'll probably never play these games for Lynn, but if you want some weird, nice, like, semi-horror lore, yeah, uh, you should check out some videos around Alan Wake, because it's some good, good stuff. Uh, what uh, what platform? Alan Wake was on pretty much every platform. It's like a decade old at this point, but uh, Alan Wake 2. I still only I don't think Switch. Alan Wake uh -huh. ever got to Switch. I don't know if the remake did. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, but I can play it on an Ioneo, maybe? Probably. Yeah, if it's if it's a PC thing. This game, uh, Alan Wake 2, is due to hit PC, Xbox uh, Series X and S, and PlayStation 5 on October 17th, and I cannot wait. Uh, Jess also took a look at South of Midnight, which is a Southern Gothic monster adventure. Um, Southern Gothic is a genre I don't think games ever really touch on very much, and as somebody who is in the South right now, and like, you know, there, there are things I encounter... Um, it's it's a very creepy vibe, and I love to see it explored here. So I think this game looks super cool. Uh, have you seen any of the reporting at a game fest share that you wanted to highlight? I've been looking at uh, Jess's um, Instagram and some of her bylines. I know she was reporting something on Ubisoft, but I'm not sure was. if that was related to Summer Game Fest. Yeah, it was after the Ubisoft um, uh, stream, which showed off like not much. But Jess also did a piece saying Ubisoft needs a reboot, and I agree. You can't rely on Assassin's Creed games forever, right? So there's been, obviously, there's been a lot of great reporting from Jess and the team uh, from Summer Game Fest. I still need to catch up because I came back from WWDC and was sick for a while, so barely pay attention to anything, One thing other than my bed. I, I think, Sherlyn, you should check out the trailer for Baby Steps, which is a fun-looking game uh, from Bennett Foddy, who has made um, cult cult games i'd say like getting over it which is that was a game about a guy in a pot who had like a pickaxe and he had to like you had to rotate it for him to like move forward baby steps looks like it's a game where you are trying to help a man in a onesie like a true fail son man in a onesie walk through the world and just try to try to you know do something with his life i guess but he's going on an adventure uh the intro of the trailer is like him being a basement dweller who's stuck at home with no job right and his parents are like uh this kid has to do something the game is entirely you walking forward like you controlling how he walks but it looks funny it looks irreverent and uh, i cannot wait to see how this thing goes just like untitled goose game very much kind of, but... very much like that is it goose duck game. game or goose game i guess goose game duck game i feel like duck hunt took all go. the duck games right Let's move on to what we're working on. Sherlyn, anything you got going on? Yeah, I got a surprise for everybody Ooh. since the embargo just lifted this morning. I am playing with the Moto Razor Plus. Uh, I am reviewing it. We are 
checking it out. Uh, for those who are unaware, the Moto Razor Plus is uh, um, the next generation of Moto's flip style foldable. It will it well, you know, one of the standout features. It's got a much larger screen than on a lot of other uh, flip style phones we've seen, uh, especially like the Galaxy Z Flip Four. Um, even I think. Xiaomi Oppo Find N2 something like that there's a there's a bunch of other flip ones obviously I'll be directly comparing it more to other devices that are available in the US namely the Galaxy Z Flip 4 um, and there's some pretty good upgrades here so I don't know if you want me to you know if you have any specific questions about this device you let me know I'm just gonna you know for for, for this podcast take a I'm gonna take a selfie with it right now because uh, I'm gonna take a selfie I mean just just from what I can see right here I really like the screen up top it is like a big and nicely blended into the full top half that is bigger than what Samsung did right for the flip yes much bigger so this is one That's of the cool. biggest screens around the exact dimension escapes me right now um there's a lot of like little shortcuts so you just i don't know for those of you on the stream you can see what i just did why i twisted my flick, flick. wrist uh, a couple of times and now right. the camera's open is that uh, i don't know if you can that see brings it. me back to like the moto x right the moto x had these weird weird ass gestures you yeah. said you to do a couple of things man moto x that was a time it yeah. did it did um i'm trying to get it to take a photo but it's got like welcome i'm like just take, just the, take photo, the photo jesus i do like this big it's not taking it's like the photo. This is annoying me. So if you ever want to like have like, you know, a tiny little smartphone screen out, that's that seems useful. Anything else you're working on, Trillin? Other I have some other reviews I'm working on that I can't quite talk about just yet, but if you think really hard, you probably will know what it is. Um and uh trying to recover. You've been yeah. sick for a long time. So everybody send Trillin good vibes. Um I hope you can get some rest too. I'm hopefully not working on anything else. Um there's something I'm gonna talk about in our pop mm-hmm. culture picks. Uh, but I'm going to be off for the next two weeks. So hopefully nothing else. Good God. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. Sherlyn, what do you got? This is hard for me because um, I struggle with making recommendations of personalities sometimes because you can never really tell uh, if they're going to do a 180 degree flip and just become bad people. You never know where they're going to milkshake duck. Yeah. Right. Like I, I will be like watching YouTube and really enjoying some random. I've made recommendations in the past on this podcast of people that I really liked. And then it turns out like, remember when I recommended the Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> show? Like that w- worked out well for me. I mean, she was pretty popular um, for a long so time. I, so I that's hesitate. not just on you. Yeah. And she, look, her ethos of like the whole be kind thing is really what I was. It's a, it's a great ethos. About, right? I wish Rather she lived than it. Yeah. her as a personality. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so I still, I still, I still, you know, recommend being kind, but I don't know if I recommend the Ellen DeGeneres show A is off the RB, whatever. Um, but here this week, instead of saying I recommend this person, I will say I've been watching a lot of a specific YouTuber, uh, 16 Leo, S I X T E E N L E O underscore, uh, on their socials. Um, just a very funny, low-key, chill vibe, similar to D'Angelo Wallace back when D'Angelo Wallace was around a lot more. Um, but very, like, uh, funny, critical commentaries on uh, things going on in the world and TV shows. So, like, he did a five-hour-long deep dive of Love is Blind or something, or Too Hot to Handle, something, one of those Netflix dating shows. And I was like, wait, who actually has the time to upload a five-and-a-half-hour video to YouTube then but you then watch I watched it all. It and, all. Like, and like, it. I'll go in and out, yeah. but I watch it all. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is the crap, secret of totally like watch. extra long content, yeah. right? Because it's like, you'll have it on the background. You'll like eat it piecemeal, but yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Exactly. I keep coming back to it. I keep rewinding and coming back to it. It's like a whole day watch fest. It's the perfect thing to put on the background, on in the background when I am working or like, 
I sometimes I'll admit I'll, I'll I'll leave some of this stuff on when I want to sleep, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's so soothing. Um. So anyway, yeah, I've been watching Sixteen Leo, and if you are interested in like catching up on pop culture and society stuff, you can. <laughs> and it's funny. It's usually a good time. And Sixteen Leo does seem to say, you know, thoughtful stuff about how to be a good person. Uh, but I don't know if I fully vouch <laughs> yeah, for they haven't gone through your Leo question here yet. There I go. mean, there's there's a lot. It, it's tough these days. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like, maybe, maybe they will become problematic at some point, or maybe something will come up. They may be were Ugh. sexist, racist, misogynistic in the past. I don't know. Based based Who on knows? your information now. But right now I am enjoying the <laughs> You're recommending them. Yeah, based on what I know right now. <laughs> okay. That was fun. But what's up, Dev? What should I watch instead? When you were done binging this YouTuber, yeah. um, man, check check out Black Mirror season six. Black Mirror is back and I'm working on a review right now. I think uh, the embargo is up actually for other sites, but I did not really care for the last few seasons of Black Mirror. It felt like society had caught up with like the vision of tech dystopia that Charlie really? Booker was building. And I love the early Black Mirror, too. So it, it was a lot of things. And I also think he started pumping out ideas too quickly for Netflix and they weren't like fully formed. This season, mm-hmm. very good. Very interesting. And Ooh. each episode like deals with very different concepts. He introduces the idea of Streamberry, which is a Netflix alternative that exists in the uh, in nice. the universe. And at times it seems like he is commenting on Netflix and streaming culture itself. There's like a true crime thing um, nice. that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I will I will not spoil any of these scenarios here. I think what is interesting is that so many of these uh, things do not take place today. Or in the near future, a lot of them are in the past, like in the early 2000s or in the 1950s slash 1960s. And I was thinking like, you know what? It is actually much easier to do these things when you are not in a world with smartphones, right? Because you can build a thriller where people aren't like immediately connected to instant GPS and super fast internet. Um, That is a problem screenwriters are talking about right now. And whenever you see a movie that is not set today or in the future... It is because they want to have like simple things like I want to ha- I want it to be a problem when somebody can't call somebody, you know, uh, there's they don't have the best cell smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I find that really interesting. I think the ideas Charlie Brooker is exploring here are really good. At times it goes full horror, hor- like horror as a horror movie type of thing. And Black Mirror was always like dystopian tech horror a little bit but never i don't think it ever fully went there no there was one yeah. episode that was true horror the dog which one, was the, the dog, dog one. yeah the that robot was dog one I, yeah i don't know Boston if you call Dynamics. that horror but yeah it's very much like yeah it's a it's an action thriller that felt more like but yes uh he goes full horror here there's one that features a demon there is one that uh features something i will not even mention here and they're all fun and interesting and uh, have really good twists so i think you'll really enjoy it and um I, you know what, Sherlyn, like I watch a lot of unscripted content too from YouTube creators and stuff, but it is another thing to like be in, okay, somebody wrote a story, right? They wrote a plot, they wrote characters, they wrote mm-hmm. a thing they're telling me. And that is, it is so much more rewarding when I watch these things. This season of Black Mirror has a lot of good stuff. There's one episode that I think is really ambitious, but maybe doesn't really quite hit the mark. And I will not spoil anything. I will just say, go check it out. It is the one that involves space and I'm not fully like into where it lands, but I recommend it to you, Sherlyn. I recommend it to all of our listeners, Black Mirror season six. It is back, baby. Thank you, Charlie Brooker, for once again commenting on our society. Um, You know, listen, uh, the last season of Black Mirror was 2019. A lot has changed in the world since 2019. a while ago. Yeah, shit. The combined um, pandemic, living through a pandemic, 
the very quick rise of fascism across the world, to be honest, um, more climate issues like we are more on the brink of an apocalypse now than we were just a few years ago. And you can feel it. And I think you can kind of sense that in Black Mirror, too. So anyway, check it out. Go rewatch the other stuff, too. If you've never seen Black Mirror, start in the first season. It's so good. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, at Devendra at Mastodon, at Social on the Elephant site, and I'm on Blue Sky too at at Devendra. I, I still don't know how to juggle all these sites, but I'm still look, I'm looking for a new home, just like Reddit people. If you have any real cute or deep cut or long deep dive subreddits to recommend, send them to me. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. I'm also at Sherlyn Instagram on Instagram and a lot of things that I'm juggling as well, like Devendra, but those two are the longest running ones. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. If Am I the Asshole never comes back, I will be very upset. If Best of Redditor updates, I know. If, if Boru, Boru never comes back, I will be heartbroken.